0: Hey everyone, this is part two of a two-part series conversation with Dr. Peter Bogosian. In this conversation, we talked about how to have impossible conversations during lockdown. And part two was mind-blowing. It got into very difficult topics, ones that we need to talk about. And as Dr. Peter Bogosian mentioned in this conversation... If we would have talked about it, about those issues before the crisis hit us, we would have been in a better position to solve the issues that we're facing, such as who should we save, who should have the ventilator first, and many other difficult topics. And especially, where should we talk about these issues? And I agree with him. He says that in college campuses... Because that's where we form ourselves, that's where we shape our identities, or uh, at least the way we think of things. And instead of using all of our energy to file grievances because we thought that something was said that could trigger someone, could harm someone, or... It was something infuriating. If we would have talked about these issues before the crisis, we would have been in a much better position to solve them. And college campuses are just the example of the conversation scenario we are in as a society. And we mentioned my personal college campus, the one that I take classes in. I mentioned that there are many ideologies that have infected the conversation. There are many movements that are trying to push their own agenda. And it seems that some kinds of discourses, some kinds of issues have been suppressed. Many aren't talking about deep issues. And perhaps if someone would have taken the courage of talking about who should we save, and it wasn't a woman or it wasn't someone in a particular age range or in a particular class, I don't know, they would have suppressed the conversation and perhaps canceled the person, which is disappointing, but at the same time encouraging because we've seen what it means to not talk about impossible conversations in our society. We've seen how a crisis can hit us if we neglect the importance of dialoguing with one another. We've neglected the importance of talking about things that make us uncomfortable. And I can say with all honesty, some of the things I would mention in this conversation got me uncomfortable. And not because of that, I should just walk away of the conversation. That's the complete opposite message one should take. The message is, if this is something uncomfortable and you will listen to Dr. Peter Boghossian mention it once in the conversation, this is kind of the things that we shouldn't, we we, we don't want to be thinking about. But that's, he said a gem. Those are the kinds of conversations we should be having. And that's amazing. I couldn't be more grateful with Peter, with James Lindsay, because they wrote a gem of a book, that is more valuable than ever during this crisis. And it will be even more valuable after the crisis because if you don't think that our conversations that we're having right now are impossible, I can't wait to see your face when this crisis ends. All of the things that we're going to have to talk about are going to be, wow, I I can't even imagine. And we're going to have to solve them. Many problems have have surfaced because of this crisis and using the book Peter and James wrote as a guide will help us to cope with the conversations adequately converse with one with one another sufficiently so we can solve them and all of the parties involved in the conversation can retain something afterwards so Again, if you have the chance to read it, read it now, or read it later, listen to it. I listened to it myself. He offers an Easter egg after the book ends, which I was going to talk about here, but then I lost track of the conversation. <laughs> and that happened because I started to, to talk with him instead of an like an interviewer. I talked with, to him, to Peter as a friend and I think he did the same with me which was amazing. <laughs> we even shared a glass of wine together. We shared a toast which was very cool <laughs> and go review it on Amazon how to have impossible conversations. Share the love. Share it with a friend. Tell them thank you because they devoted their time for such a an amazing idea and Everyone needs to talk, and what better way of talking if it's not fruitful for everyone? Enjoy this episode with you, Dr. Peter Bogosian. Great, so as I was saying, um, we were talking about how, how how's the situation um, here in Mexico, and as I said, one of the concerns that we're having is that uh, security, security concerns are big right now because that's a... And a hidden consequence of of this virus. So it's weird, you know. We, we we would thought that it would be dangerous to go out because of the virus itself, but now one concern is <laughs> we may be robbed or people may enter our house. You know, it's weird. <laughs>
1: so I was often wondering if it was more likely or less likely that people would break into your house if they thought that breaking into your house would infect them?
0: That's a good question. I mean, I have, if, a, a t- I
1: have an answer, but I have a guess, but what do you think?
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So speculating, I would say that as our last conversation, we were talking about our leaders and here in Mexico, they're saying that the, the, the issue is not quite as, as serious as of now, maybe perhaps they'll talk about it seriously tomorrow, but right now. The general public seems to 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 think that the, this virus doesn't infect everyone, so it is more likely to. I, I don't know. I think it, it'll be more likely. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that it's culturally it depends on. The, I'm drinking wine. You're drinking tea. Um, I think it depends on how old are you, by the way.
0: Twenty one. I was. I was thinking of of pouring myself a cup of wine, a glass of wine. Uh. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe I should do
1: <laughs> That's what they that's what the ancient Greeks did. Um anyway, so I I I could be wrong about this, but to the degree that you think the virus is dangerous is the degree to which someone doesn't go in someone's house unless they just like I have nothing to lose, I'm going to go in someone's house. You know, like I think people either without the cognitive wherewithal to f- figure out how serious this is or people who just are absolutely hungry or total miscreants anyway. Is there a firearm law over there? Are you allowed to have handguns
0: and such legally? Mm, They, I don't have a gun, but for what I understand, you have to get a personal um, permission from the military, from the government, and then they do routinely um, screens of your house to see the guns. And such
1: if you tried that here, there'd be a riot, really, yeah I just I just uh, uh, got some guns I'm a terrible shot, which is a bad thing <laughs> when you're uh, gotten a, when you've gotten a gun, but I've had a belief change about that very recently someone someone asked me on Twitter I did an AMA, what have I changed my mind about I've changed my mind about gun laws very within the last couple of months
0: how how did you ch- did you Think about them before what was happening here right now.
1: I thought about them before in terms of harms, in terms of actually, we talked a little bit about this in the book how many people are killed by accidental shootings, how many mm-hmm. people are murdered, etc. But what I realized a friend of mine I do jujitsu with, John Merlitt, said something to me. He said, If somebody, I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world, but He said, if somebody breaks into your house and they have a gun and you don't have a gun, it's totally over for you.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And I know that's obvious, but I was in a situation in which I didn't think anybody would ever break into my house, so why would I need a gun when we know that the statistics on gun deaths, you're far far more likely to kill a loved one or my son's friend coming around, probably maybe he's stoned or whatever, or laughing. Who knows what would happen? But I think that the context has caused me to revise my my beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I would think the same. The, the 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 we don't think of living in a Hobbesian anarchy in our lives. You know, it's all theory. But when when things get this weird, anything can happen. And one counter counterfactual thing that I that I read recently was that. If there are more people in one county or one country with more guns, less violent acts with guns happen. Because I think it's implied like, hey, this guy probably has a gun. Maybe he's better shooter than me, you know? <laughs> I might not yeah, take I think the that, chance.
1: Yeah, I think that's so culturally conditioned. That said, I'm, It it is interesting I've been... No I I've I'm 53 I've never owned a gun I've shot guns they're they're not particularly exciting to me it was eh, it was okay I guess once a decade but the context does matter and if I for me personally the degree to which I think I my family is in immediate danger is the degree to which I will recalibrate my belief about whether or not I need a gun personally. And as that has escalated rather dramatically, actually within the last month or two months, uh, it's been a slow, but then a, the, the knob you know, went all the way to 11. Yeah, that caused me to, the external circumstances in my life caused me to revise what I would had, had would have considered to be a cherished belief.
0: Yeah. I, I saw a tweet you sent out and you said it that- this is a moral issue that we have to talk about. Like, what happens if someone without the virus needs attention? Let's say in one week or two weeks. And that's, that's a. I wasn't even thinking about that scenario. For, for one moment, I thought everyone sh- would go to the hospital just if they had a virus. But man, that that's not reality. Someone could get his hand fractured. Or as the tweet you sent out, someone could get in a gunfight. And what should we do with it? What, what, with the situation? Yeah, that's,
1: that's a good question. W- what do you do with people who are just idiots? And how do you triage <laughs> them in a hospital situation? I mean, look, I find these to be fascinating questions. And I wish we had a university system that allowed these questions, people to engage them. Because if we did, we would have already had the moral infrastructure to deal with it. So. Yes. What do we do, for example, when we tell people don't go out curfew, 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 and someone goes out hiking thinking it's perfectly safe, falls and breaks their leg, (laughs) and there are only so many people in the emergency room? I think that's an interesting question. Here's another interesting question. You know, in Italy, I've, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, obviously, but I've read from allegedly credible sources that they're not treating people over the age of 65 anymore. Yes, I read up too. Yeah, so it could be true or could be false. But let's just, let's just think about that. It is a really interesting question. Ought we to treat people over the age of 65? Here's another interesting question I would love people to talk about. Literally, no one's talking about it. What do we do with the cognitively impaired? How do we triage people of the same age My age. age. Huh? My age. Yeah. And what do we do if someone has a rather severe uh, psychological condition or how do we? I mean, there have to be some ways to triage. You can say, well, you take who's first. Okay. Well, they come in at the same time. Wow. They come in at the same time and you have one ventilator. So, I mean, to me, instead of saying, oh, my gosh, we can't talk about that. That's traumatizing to me. Okay. Well, now what are we going to do? Because yeah. we're actually in the actual situation now where this, I'm positive this is happening yeah. somewhere. This is happening. So unless we would have tried, you know, worked hard to try to have figured this out in the first place. Now we're in the mess that we're in and it's a little bit too late to start thinking about thinking about that now. No, I, so, I agree more. Yeah. And there is something about reality slapping you in the face, right? Yeah. There's something about, oh, all lives matter or, or, and it's not that they don't matter, but it seems pretty self evident that some lives matter more than others right i mean there's a I think I tweeted this out there was a famous ethical scenario that people grew up on for years, and no one ever talks about it anymore at least i've never seen it talked about the nuclear bunker scenario. Have you heard about it
0: it just when you said that scenario it ringed the bell like this typical scene from twilight zone the 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 show where they they said to the neighbors hey you have to let us in you have to let us in and they break in is that does that make like a good connection here
1: here here's a situation then you can tweak the variables any way you want 10 people are in a shelter it's the some kind of holocaust end of the world armageddon scenario yeah you only have enough water to last x people y days you have to kick someone out of the shelter if anybody's gonna live until the you can get rescued. If you don't kick someone out of the shelter, you're all gonna die. who do you kick out of the shelter? And then they list and the, you know, you again you can tweak the variables, but all there's almost always an older doctor, like a doctor in your seventies, a pregnant woman, there's a religious person, like a a priest or something, and this and then you have to you have to come up with criteria to figure out who you're gonna kick out of the so, could you imagine asking college kids out there? They'd go right to office of diversity and inclusion. They'd go berserk if you try to ask a question like that. Yes. So, but it's a very interesting question because it really is true. Or well, well let me put it to you this way: I mean, do, does anybody actually believe that all lives are equal? And I don't mean like, oh, he's from you know Guam or something, or he. I mean that that you know, it's like the famous trolley problem. You can just tweak those variables and put, you know, people who have escaped from death row for who have been um, found guilty of murder, who actually murdered people. You know, like, what do we do with the trolling? Like, you can always tweak the variables. And this idea that we ought to suspend judgment is just insane. Like, that's that's insane people. What you ought to be doing is to figure out to figure out what matters in those situations so you can not suspend your judgment but make better, more discerning judgments, moral judgments, like who gets the ventilator? Well, that's a really good question.
0: Wow. Just, I mean, it's it's such the perfect, a perfect storm, you know, what's happening right now because we have to think about These scenarios in which well, first answering your your question about does everybody really think that all lives are equal? We've been at least from the days our declaration of independences were written and you know Universal Declaration of Rights were written, they they'd said that you know all lives are equal and so we, we we supposed it as a as a as a law of our reality, right?
1: Yeah, so, that, that all people ought to be treated equal under the law. But but look at my case. I'm a fifty-three year old guy. If it's between saving me and saving a thirty-five year old physician with a specialty in acute respiratory illnesses, well it's a, and you have one one you don't want to say eventually but whatever whatever it is then obviously you you wouldn't save me and i don't know what notion of reality one would have to harbor to say well we'll just flip a coin yeah i don't i don't think that's no that's not just just short-sighted that who who are you not to make that decision
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like what 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 moral criteria are you using to say flip a coin or make it arbitrary or it just it strikes me as just it's having not talked okay it's just so incredibly frustrating to me having not talked about these problems do you think that we're now better situated to deal with them no, no. every time you don't talk about something you i mean isn't that the whole basis of psychotherapy you're now less situated to deal with those things
0: yeah yeah and this is getting into mexico the, the this notion of social justice and in in my college campus i've seen it and this reminds me of your reversed q and a and they said you know oh did you see that yeah definitely it was wow and so a lot of 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 the guys talking they were saying this is happening and we need someone to 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 go ahead and say that this is wrong you know th- there was this girl who who was in her, her class and someone said to her or to, to her teacher that she was, she was saying things that weren't accurate. And then she went with him with the guy who who stood up to the teacher and she said, thank you for, for saying that, you know, thank you for telling her that she's, she's wrong. And he said, you know, you're not the first person to to say that. And I think we're not in that, in that position here in Mexico, but we're just starting it's like a like a la- lag defect, what's happening here. Right now, all of our student newspapers and there is this, the, the Me To movement has, has, has also come into my college campus and professors that I, you know, there's this professor who's an emeritus professor. He's getting accusations of, one accusation said that this teacher only hires student-paid um, researchers that are, that are women, and he talks with us in closed doors alone. That's a report in in the public in the public scene. So,
1: so what he, happens?
0: Actually, so so if I may
1: pause you on that. So part of the complaint has been that I read about this repeatedly from a number of different sources that. Because of the Me Too movement, people, and I and I will be very honest, I have totally seen this tendency in myself. And and I've stopped doing all directed studies now. My boss uh, chooses my my graders. I don't have anything to do with it. One of the problems has been or the accusations is that men won't mentor women now for fear of accusations. And I know for a fact people yes. who
0: won't do that. So you should thank people who are mentoring. Women. Yes, that's exactly my point, Peter. So when I saw the, the accusation, I was like, are you complaining that he only hires women? That's like the perfect scenario for feminism. <laughs> that that has to be, that has to be the perfect scenario. And to get to your point and what, what we're talking, which is deeply, deeply concerning. And as I said, it's a perfect storm because what perfect way of getting into a solution that trying to argue for the best one, consensually. Well, what happens when people who have good ideas, but have skin in the game, don't want to lose the skin in the game, you know? And they prefer to be enclosed behind closed doors and saying nothing. So I think that for, for us, it won't be a surprise if we see a complaint in a hospital or or somewhere else where someone saved down a life that, you know, it was discriminatory. Yeah.
1: You know, I was, was, I, I do a little walk around the circle where I live mm-hmm. and I was talking to James Lindsay, my fellow author of how to have impossible conversations. His he was genius. telling me that his buddy was telling him a story that some, her ex-boyfriend, his I think it was his daughter's, not Jim's daughter, but someone else's daughter's ex-boyfriend was banging on the window and she was freaked out by it. She called the police. The police came, took the guy. She told her psychologist about it and her psychologist diagnosed her with PTSD. Like the same thing that, you know, people get when I was on the prison committee a few years ago and some guy told me this story when he had somebody come in. He was, I think he was a psychiatrist. He had someone come into him and his buddy got his brains, he, he, they were in a uh, a Hummer together, and it was hit by an IED, and his friend's brains ended up in his mouth. He was, he was diagnosed with PTSD. So she got the same diagnosis. So there's like this diagnosis creep of PTSD. There's a every, – everybody now is traumatized, and we're seeing the consequences and the results yes. of people who are constantly told that they're fragile and, and traumatized.
0: Yeah. And that that's so many is, questions. Who, so, yeah, go ahead. Who has benefited from this? Do, do we
1: think we're better off now that we've told the whole generation that they're traumatized, that they have to look for grievances everywhere? No. Now, this is a fucking real thing that we're dealing with here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and,
1: and, and are they better positioned to deal with it or worse positioned to deal with it? Worse, worse. Who by tells far. me exactly. Anybody who tells you with sincerity that these folks are better able to deal with this. That is it that is in philosophy and anthropology and other disciplines what we call an incommensurable
0: worldview. Ideologies.
1: Yeah, that never the twain shall meet. That the, there's no they're incommensurable.
0: Yeah. So many questions arise, you know. Just so on one hand, I this is tricky for me to ask because I if you asked me this question, I'm not sure. What would I answer? And I would love to 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 listen to your, to your answer. So, do you think we should get a universal definition of PTSD, for example, of sexual harassment, for example, of you know how a, a universal definition of who should we treat during this crisis? Do you think we're better off with that? I I have no idea what that would be, or what that's way outside. So, cheers. Peter, for doing this,
1: my absolute pleasure.
0: And as I said, there is no no scenario possible where I miss a toast with you. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. Well, I, I you're you're a smart guy, and I wish you the best in your your podcast. Hopefully thank you, you thank get you. Some so traction. Right, sorry. So here here's to answer your question. So I don't know what the definition would look like. That's well outside my area. Here's what where I think I can bring my expertise. That we should have the conversation should be obvious to anybody who shares enlightenment or liberal values Mm -hmm. and how to have that conversation and what it looks like and how to revise those beliefs and how to come up with a structure to think through the problem so that when we actually have an actual problem, a real problem, we're better able to deal with it and respond to it thoughtfully and intelligently because we've already wrestled with it. And there's a consensus. It doesn't have to be univocal. But there's a consensus on what we ought to do in these situations. And the more morally tricky and complicated it is, the more important it is to have that conversation.
0: Yeah. And how do you see or what kinds of, of conversations do you think we'll have after the crisis? I have no idea. I don't even have any idea when the after will be.
1: I just got something it's going to give the stores lecture here at OHSU. They wanted to know if I'm free in November. I don't think we're going to be. I don't think this is ever going to go. I, I think that's not going to happen. I, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong. I don't think things are going to retor, return to normal for a long time. There, there's an exception to that. So there's a piece, I think it was from Oxford that has come, on. I don't want to talk about the virus too much, but if if the virus is more virulent and less deadly, if it spreads more quickly and more people get it, but it's less deadly, then we dodged a serious bullet, then things will return to normal fairly quickly. But the the only way you would know that is if you had adequate testing, and I don't think we're situated to know that. You're a good man drinking that bottle like glass. So I have a glass just like that.
0: <laughs> um, so, okay, so now let's... let's- let me let me your your show go ahead no 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 that's no no you go see i just wanted to ask you this scenario because you written you wrote the book how to have impossible conversations and i read it Mm -hmm. and you (laughs) you propose when there's the case of no you go no you go you just
1: did it you caught it Good. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So it's paradoxical because I have to do the same. No. Yes. 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 We could be one hour. We could be one hour. Like no, you.
1: <laughs> got- <laughs> you. That was good. That was a close reading of the book. That's excellent. I.
0: I so, being full, fully disclosing my position, I read it once. I listened to it, and I also, I caught on the Easter egg. I told people in the in the intro that they have to listen to the Easter egg. We have to talk about the Easter egg. I have a lot of questions about it. All right but, excellent go ahead shoot so it's a book that my kids will read and their kids will read so oh well thank you
1: i I appreciate that it really is my life's work
0: yeah and as I said last time man thank you thank you for being in the same philosophically speaking the same time and space with me because you know I have everything you everything's here now you know you you showed us the way to have impossible conversations and one of the things that I wanted to talk of what you said, are we in a better position to talk about this, is my generation as a 21-year-old seems to be very affected by what's happening with social justice, with ideologies. So those who want to speak with truth rather than emotion have to read this book. And those who speak with emotion need to read this book twice. You know? But let's get back. How do you think... We will, ha- what the conversation will be if this doesn't get better in November and we have to talk, you know, like this until November, how, how are we going to talk about difficult issues?
1: That is a, a great question. I'd, I'd really rather not think about it, but uh, like many questions, we'd rather not think about it. Those probably are the questions you ought to think about. So if it goes on to November, what is this month now? March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Holy shit.
0: I'm saying November it, because you, you you said something about November.
1: Right. If it goes on to November, well, first of all, let me just say I have no idea what's gonna happen. This is way outside my area of expertise.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, but if it does go on for a long time we are going to very significantly have to change the way we're either going to isolate in social islands and little bubbles or we're going to have to have a very serious reckoning with being honest and humble when we deal with other people or else we're going to go insane if nothing else for our own psychological well-being so with each day, I noticed my neighbors were outside and they're all going stir crazy. I'm not going stir crazy. I'm fine. But with each passing day, we're still stuck with people. We still have to have conversations and there are things that are on our mind. So which leads me to the question. So you told me, I think on an email that your dad was, you had a conversation with your dad and he's now, yeah. Tell me about that if you
0: don't mind. Yeah. So listeners will know that we talked about our situations right now and my situation was that my father kept going to work even though all of the evidence showed that we have no idea what's happening there are no tests probably someone in the office has it or you know there's a possibility even if it's slight why take the risk so given your advice i sat with him and i told him hey uh, showing the trying to tell him what's the how can I change your mind? What's the piece of evidence that would I need to show Excellent. you? Yeah.
1: That's chapter 5
0: I think. Yeah. Let me I think it is. But what piece of evidence? I think it's in the same chapter of scales, right? I don't know. So, I think so. Yeah. What what piece of evidence should I give you to, you know, to make you change your mind? And he said, "Well, if there's any case near me, and there was there was a case near near us. So how did
1: you find that out? Just Google it.
0: No WhatsApp message from a friend. Perfect, perfect. And what perfect did he timing. say? So he said, "Hey, Alex, you want to leave this? But a friend of my of mine has the virus. My brother was with my friend. Therefore, the virus can be in our house. So he he started to realize. You know, things things don't seem." Very stable, as we thought. So he said, you know what? Let's do this. I also copied the advice you gave me of modeling. So I've been doing the dishes pretty much all day. I've been cooking. Excellent, excellent. Excellent,
1: (laughs) excellent. It is funny how asking people what criteria would cause them to change their behavior is so unbelievably effective as opposed to telling them anything. Yeah, You need to do this. This is dangerous. You know, you have an obligation, or you should. No, 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 no. You ask them, and then you see if that criteria can be met. So, well, good for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that. Yeah.
0: And um, I'm gonna be honest. There were times when I was so frustrated because all of the evidence was there that I, I was very frustrated. Just to, I, I couldn't remember to ask them. You know, I was always trying to tell them, hey my brother and my partner here's the evidence right Right. you know right
1: that has a backfire effect from the book right so that that people will hunker down and and be more convinced they should leave the house so not creating those those adversary relationships or those defensive postures are key questions are key to achieving that as a tool and then with with disconfirmation questions. So congrats, you you use the book effectively, and and hopefully hopefully it's, it it saved everybody's life and it worked out. That's yeah.
0: the, and that's also something impressive, right? We will never know if it if if it worked, but we would have I, known. We would have known I, I, if it didn't work. you
1: know? right? Ex- absolutely.
0: Yeah. And absolutely. The power of scales, you know. Also,
1: scales. Wow, that scales are. That's one of the the most. I find that that super You know, when I did that three pieces for the New York Times, though that one thing was the thing that the piece on scales I did, the the video op-ed got more emails and coverage than anything.
0: Hmm.
1: Once you start learning about what you can do with scales, it's astonishingly effective. It is astonishingly effective. Um, so let me let me ask you a question. So you're in Mexico. Yes. And you're trapped in the house with your dad and your your brother, yes?
0: Yes. <laughs> How is that going? Okay. Great question. <laughs> so, I've, I'm very close to my brother. I'm very close to my father. So, things... I can say 90% of the time have been rather well because they also know how, how do I behave in these kind of situations. So they, there there are times where they just mute me, you know. I'm going all over the place talking and saying things and asking questions and they're like, he's, he's doing regular Alex stuff. <laughs> but there are times, for example, yesterday and the day before where, man, I was so... I, I wanted to see... Perhaps not other people, but I wanted to just amplify my perspective, you know, because also the the things that I try to do here in my house or the things that I usually do out of the house, like softball, for example, they're not here. So one of the things that I got from you was working out. And I saw your Twitter handle, your Twitter video, when you showed the your workout. Oh, you showed I, it here as well.
1: Yeah, my pull it's it's. I, I was inspired by Zubi to do that, who posted his push workout. Pull is con- considerably more difficult, but yes, good.
0: Yeah, so I, I grabbed the uh, I have pretty much the same I think it was uh, two water water uh, containers that you have. I have like four liters each each one, and I do biceps, <laughs> and I jump the rope. And then I do some warm ups, and I, I'm copying your workout.
1: Oh well, good. And I hope I hope that's wor- I hope that's working out. I, I I would bet that it's making you feel better at least, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's also making things less tense, you know, because we're I'm doing my activities, my brother's doing his activities. He's working from home, which is also very difficult because he has to talk with his coworkers via you know video and difficult topics they are they're touching upon and also my father is working from home so you know all of the routines we have outside the house are here how do we cope with the routines being connected three at the same time so it's a it's difficult but as of now i can say i'm i'm doing great with them and good. i that it, it's true that i'm clear. trapped with them good Good.
1: Can I offer a piece of advice? Wow. Yeah. So have dinner together mm-hmm. and beside dinner, when you have dinner together, don't talk about anything, the pandemic, the virus, anything, just talk about how you're doing, what you're working on, etc. And after dinner, unless it's going to be lunch, the only exception, don't talk to them. Don't see them do your own thing.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And how's, from your end, how how do you see from let's start in Portland and then you know going my ma- macro to your house? How how's everything?
1: Well, to be honest with you, my, my my wife left. She moved out. Um she moved out because she is a healthcare provider, she's a physician at OHSU. And she has to see patients. She she there's no like there's no virtue. If someone says she said her first patient said to her, I have an irregular heartbeat or I think I have an irregular heartbeat. She has to check her heartbeat. What's she going to do? You can't do that virtually. There's no way with our level of technology. The- anyway, the bottom line is so she moved out. I I'm mean, in- immunocompromised. It's been tough. I'm not working now. I think I mentioned last time I was planning a world tour. So that's, you know a lot of money for her to get a separate place uh she's not here so she doesn't have her emotional support system i don't have my wife she's gone um it's tricky tricky situation given that she is really in a very high risk environment so but we know what what are you going to do She's a physician, and she would never not go in. I mean, she would go in. She would not go in if she could not go in, like, virtual. But there's some stuff you just can't do virtually. I mean, you, I don't know what percentage it is, but the bottom line is she doesn't live here anymore. She's moved out. So she will move back in uh, once she's certain she's virus-free. So that's basically what's going on with me. My my son's going a little stir-crazy. He should be in China right now. My daughter, is, she's handling in this uh, remarkably well. We just worked out today. We threw softball today. I'm going to helped her with a writing assignment today. Um, but it's you know, and then and then I'm going to watch TV tonight. Hopefully, we have a family TV where where no one we're going to watch Narcos. Actually, <laughs> where uh, you know <laughs> we just chill out and let our mind go.
0: Yeah. So it's you know,
1: I'm not going to BS you. It's 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 tricky. It's a it's a tough time, you know.
0: Yeah. And. Is, is your wife personally handling virus cases or she is handling other cases? she's
1: handling other cases, but there's
0: every reason to believe
1: that she works with vulnerable populations that they're more likely that they have the virus, not less so you walk over to someone and you examine their heartbeat, and that's that's yeah, that yeah. Yeah, and, what do you, what is she going to do you know what am i what is anybody going to do? And, and, you know, the the decision for her to leave was not one we arrived at capriciously. Um, It's serious. You know, and, and especially as the street where she lives on, you know, there have been a lot of broken windows in the store and such. Um, So the lawless elements are rearing their head. So it's, it's a tricky time. Yeah. It's a tricky time for everybody. It's a, it's a tense time, but I think that's why it's even more important to keep a clean house, to do the dishes. Like I, we mentioned, we talked about to, uh, to not talk about it when you are together, and to you know to give the impression that things are—I don't want to say normal—but th- things have not completely fallen apart. I think that's a, I think that's a, a sage piece of advice. Yeah, And So actually, I can't talk too much longer because I. Speaking of which, we have a schedule that I try to put at six fifty four. Six forty four. I try to put dinner on the table every night at seven.
0: Yeah. So, is there anything? you want to add to because this is part two and wow i I, this is amazing so
1: well i know i appreciate the talking and chatting and um i think you're a super thoughtful guy with a i really do think you have a a bright future ahead of you i think we're going to make it through this i think it's not going to be easy but i do think that that um the vast majority of people alive, the overwhelming majority of people are going to make it. I think it seems like Armageddon, but I don't think it's Armageddon. I think it's just a super, super difficult time that, to be blunt with you, people aren't handling particularly well. And one of the tools that we can use to handle that is to how to communicate with people, how to speak with people, particularly when we're trapped. So, so thank you. Thanks for the talk. And I very much appreciate it, Alex. Thank you.
0: Th- thank you for your words today. Coming from you, wow, I just it's a lot to take. Thanks. And as I said in my review from your book, your book is going to be one of the most required books after the crisis because topics will get difficult. We will have to know how to handle them. It is just a gem of a book, to be honest. And thank you. Also, your wife's a hero, honestly. She, she, she just, is. She, she, she truly
1: Truly, I mean, truly, healthcare providers who literally walk in every day knowing that they have a chance to have, a a legit chance to have a ghastly death, these people are bona fide heroes. I was just thinking the other day, they should be, Time Magazine gives the person of the year, healthcare workers, Hmm. no question about it.
0: Great idea, yeah. I, I would agree. And that's, it proves that we often overlook Important people such as healthcare providers. You know, I wasn't thinking exactly. of them so essential in my life before exactly. this crisis. So yeah. So if you're a I healthcare think,
1: worker and you're listening, thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: And say thanks for my part to your wife and say hello to James Lindsay. Tell him that <laughs> he's he's a I hero will. as well. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I in will. Different, in different different areas, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I will.
1: All right, Alex, thank you very much, my friend. And we'll We'll stay in touch. Have a great night. You bet. Don't be a stranger, okay?
0: Yeah, same. Thank you. All right, Bye -bye. bye, Alex. If you find this conversation insightful, consider subscribing to the podcast at any podcast feed you use and share it with a friend. We truly appreciate your support.